Uh, today, I thought in light of Thanksgiving that we would uh, consider some verses, kind of take a Bible survey, and challenge you to live with an attitude of gratitude. Gratitude simply means living in the state of thankfulness. And when you think about it, out of the 7 billion people on this planet, most were born unthankful. According to Romans 1, listen to what it says. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. This was the whole human race. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The natural state of humanity is to be born unthankful. Isn't that amazing? He says, I don't know about you and how you grew up, but most children from the earliest days have to be taught to say, thank you. Now, I, I've seen parents engaged in this instructive uh, exercise, and sometimes it goes like this. What do you say? They say, I want more. <laughs> or, I don't like that. Or, no, no, honey, you're supposed to be doing, you know, flips right now. Uh, we're coming to Christmas. Eh, I don't like that. And then you want to grab them. Is it you don't like it? Why? Because uh, you're on trial as the giver based upon their response. And being thankful, it's an amazing, it's not natural, believe it or not. Uh, and what is an amazing thing to me is that the more you have, does it make you the more thankful? The best stories you get on being thankful are those who grew up with nothing and came into something. They're all the stories I walked through the snow barefooted. You know, every generation that gets older, I had it tougher than you, brat. And we helped make you a brat because we gave you everything. I've heard... Jason uh, tell his own children because he grew up with a single mother and uh, uh, did without a lot of things. And he would always say, Dad, I'm giving my kids things I never could have. And my problem is I don't want to spoil and ruin them. And he has. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, JP. Uh, it, it's hard to grow up thankful when you've had it all. You have nothing to compare to. Uh, and we all have our, our war stories that I didn't have. So it is not natural, believe it or not, to have a grateful spirit. That is not the normal spirit you meet among human beings. Uh, our pride says, I didn't, I didn't get treated as well as I deserved. I should have got more. I should have had this. And it goes on and on. And so we find this attitude of gratitude is not a natural state. Not at all. Here are the questions. Why should I be thankful? Nobody's ever done anything for me. Everything I've got, I deserve. Or it could be God has been good to me. Then you think about what should we be thankful for? Who, 
should we become thankful for? Um, let's just start out. Number one, the biblical worldview that we should grow up with is James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is coming down from above. From the Father of lights, of whom is no variableness, he doesn't vacillate, nor shadow of turning. You, it's not, he's a moody God, you don't know which way he's going to go, is he in the shadows? No, every good thing that's ever come in your life, God takes credit for it, that he's the author of it. You know what's scary? You didn't get to pick your parents. And Rich Rollins used to say that to his father, and his father said, and you better believe I didn't know what I was getting. <laughs> he evened the score. I didn't know what mama was carrying. We're stuck with the product. She sucked this whole while. I, I didn't want to be born here. You had no choice. Talk about freedom of will. You had no choice. You don't get to pick ethnicity. You don't get to pick economics. You don't get to pick location. You don't get to pick all of the, who gave you what you've got. God said, everything good in your life, I'm the author of it. Second Corinthians 1.3, he said, God is the father of all mercy and all comfort. Have you ever been comforted in life? Even as an unsaved person, the source of all comfort in this life, God says, I claim it. I'm the author of it. I'm even good to the unsaved. I give them rain. I give them children. I give them marriage. I give them health. I give them long life. I give them the power to accumulate wealth. God is, God is good to every human being on the earth. He's a benevolent, wonderful God, even to those who will reject everything he gives them or accredit it to something else like, well, I'm smart. I deserve it. I made it. I was this. Okay, okay, okay. God says, guess what? It really was me. I gave you enough intelligence to choose to rebel. I gave you all that operational power that freedom to choose. Oh, I built all of that in you. I was hoping you would choose me, but I know most of you won't. So everything good that we have, God is, he wants to be clear that he wants you to thank him for it. Listen to these verses. God the Father wants to be praised and thanked. And you hear these Psalms, Psalms 106. Give thanks, for God is terrible. He, he's good. Psalms 107, give thanks to God, for he is good. Then I love Psalms 107 too. Let the redeemed say so. If anyone ought to be saying this, it's God's people. We ought to be saying it because we know this God. We've received his salvation. So he says, let the redeemed, 107.15, praise God for he is good. It just goes on and on. Enter his, enter his gates with 
complaining. You know what? I, I would encourage a moratorium for you. Don't get with anyone prior to the service or anywhere that is going to complain on the Lord's Day. Sometimes I dodge the lobby. Or at least if I see them coming, I jump into the bookstore. <laughs> this is no day to be complaining. We used to have deacon, we used to have board meetings on Sundays, especially when we were planning the other building. We would meet on Sundays and have to get all this business taken care of. And finally, and we had morning and evening service, I finally told the men, no more meetings on Sunday. Because after we disagree or have our arguments, I got to go back and preach to you. You just sit there and, and talk to me out. I got to preach. The Lord's Day is a day to praise Him. The Lord's Day is a day to be thankful. The Lord's Day is a day to enjoy one another. You got six days to complain. How about one day just to praise Him? Biblically, you don't have seven days to complain. You'll be in sin for six days, be in fellowship one day. Because people that are right with God are not complaining. They're giving thanks. And so enter his gates with thanksgiving. I ask you just a little uh, test question. Did you enter into this place with a thankful heart? Did you come in that mood? If you did, wow, wonderful. I mean, our, our choir do. They pray before the service. I pray with a few of our deacons. And, uh, you know, to get our hearts attuned to what's going to happen, enter his gates with thanksgiving. He says that all over in the Word of God. Listen to these verses. Uh, I will offer to the Lord the sacrifice of thanksgiving. You know what? Uh, it, it's like God loves a re resentful, reluctant uh, giver that said, take it. What attitude did you put it in with? That is the sweetest thing you could have done that God would say, I don't care if it's a $5 bill or a $1,000 check. The way you gave it is what gave it its worship value. Do you ever just say, I thank you, I've got it to give. I grew up with a dad that would say, I'd rather give it than to need it. I'd rather give it than need it. Because my dad and my people were fed during a depression in Kansas by church folks that would drop off food. My brother and sister, Hazel and Paul, remembered getting an orange for Christmas. They were living through the depression. They were burning tires for fuel. I said, tires. Can you imagine the smoke in the house? But go to Kansas in the winter and see it drop to 15 below zero. You'll burn something. Buried two boys there. Oh, they knew. When we'd have a great Christmas, great Thanksgiving, my father often put his arms around my mother, and this was the line those kids heard him say, Sweetheart, we've come a long ways from Gordy Street, where we buried two boys, where we burnt tires, and where the church had to feed us. 
How far has God brought you? I love our black brother saying, he brought me from a mighty long way. Has he brought you from a mighty long way? Well, gratitude. The, the payment God wants is gratitude. Just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You get these verses, give thanks to God. Give thanks. And you know what's an amazing thing? I just looked up this morning. Uh, I think, what do you give thanks to God for besides salvation? And I just put down Philippians 1, 3, Colossians 1, 3, 1 Thessalonians 1, 3, 2 Thessalonians 1, 1 Timothy 2, 1, 2 Timothy 1, 3. Every verse opens up, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. Could you imagine? Most people that struggle with thankfulness oftentimes have somebody in their life that they don't say, when I think of you, I feel grateful. Many times, when I think of you, I'm grateful I'm not with you. <laughs> when I think of you, I get ulcers. And here Paul, writing from prison in Ephesians and Colossians, he said, I thank God upon every remembrance of you, and God just spoke to my heart. How many of the saints are you reminding yourself of every time you pray that you are a basis for my thankfulness? My life would be oh so different without you. How we undervalue people. How we under, you know, you don't miss the water till the well goes dry. How many of I didn't know you meant so much to me until I lost you, until I buried you. Don't give me flowers when I die. I can't smell them. I need to know, and do we ever write? Here Paul writes in his letters. He writes, some folks are of this temperament. Oh, you don't say it, you show it. Paul said, I say it too. I wrote it in an epistle that God said, I want every generation of the church to read. I thank God upon every remembrance of you. I want you to know it. How many cards have you written in your life saying, I thank God he put you in my life? I thank God, Mom, that you're my mom. I thank God, children, mother, family. Oh, we're so slow. We take everything so for granted. Who are we thanking? Do you ever just seem to know, I was thinking about you, and I thought of what a difference you've made in my life. You got anybody like that? You'd be amazed what you'd do for them if you'd just tell them. It might just keep going, keep going, keep going. There's a pastor friend of mine, and Rich Rollins was there in Oregon. He, the day he was resigning from the church, they decided that Sunday night they'd have kind of a testimony sharing time. And uh, that night, so many people got up and were sharing what they thought of, uh, this is Dr. Bill Belshaw, marvelous man. They got up and you meant this and you meant that, you meant this and you meant that. And Dr. Belshaw told Rich later on, he said, man, had I known they felt that way, I would have never resigned. <laughs> and that, 
Yeah, I didn't know until I was going out the door that they really thought I was wonderful. Oh, we're slow. We're slow. We're slow. What about your wife, your husband? We had some precious sisters in the home here the other night that within the last two years, we've had eight or ten women bury their husbands. And Wanda's here, buried her Bob. Would it take death for you to realize what you've got in your mate? Can you love what you choose to love? Well, I don't feel like I'm in love. Who said you have to feel it? That's a bonus. You choose love. It starts with a choice. And when the emotion come, cherish them. But let me tell you, emotions come and emotions go, but the will can stay with the choice. See, gratitude is a choice. Uh, I want you to see this quote uh, that Chuck Swindoll wrote. He says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money than circumstances, than failures, than successes that when other people think or say or do, it is more important than the appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. You've picked the attitude. That negative experience, has it made you bitter or made you better? That negative situation, have you stopped there and you're never going to let it go? You're never going to forgive. I'm never going to forget how you treated me. I'm never going to forget this. On and on. And we have these justifiable grudges and oughts and things we refuse to forgive and go on. You didn't do me right. You didn't do this. I didn't get this. I didn't. You get to choose your attitude. You're not in control of how other people treat you. You're in control of how you respond. My dad was good friends with a black preacher in Berkeley back in the 40s, brother and sister Brown. Had a little church off of Gilman Street. And he's walking on the streets of Berkeley. And this was in the 40s. And a man came up to him, and Brother Brown was a blind preacher, and told me, I hate you, nigger. That's what he told Brother Brown. And Brother Brown says, 
I'm so glad you can't make me hate you back. You can't make me hate you back. You're not in charge of my attitude. During the Cold War, the communists bought a garbage truck, loaded garbage at the Berlin Wall, and they unloaded all this garbage at the wall and put a negative sign out there. The West wanted to get retaliation. They loaded it with canned goods and food, and they backed up to the wall and loaded all this food at the wall, and then they put a sign. Each one gives of what each has. You've got nothing but garbage, and we've got nothing but good. We're in charge of how we respond. If they hit you on one cheek, turn the other. If they hate you, you don't have to hate them back. You choose your attitude. You're in charge of that, not how you're treated. Now let's look at uh, four verses. We'll just go through these. We'll pick Colossians 3 and see that God's commanded this attitude and he wants to enable us to do it. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Now what's interesting, when he writes these verses, he has not just returned from a self-motivation seminar. He happens to be in prison. Not a place you would write on Thanksgiving as a whole. And so he says in Colossians 3, listen to this. We'll pick it up, verse 16. Let the word of Christ, and that could be translated, let, let the message concerning Christ. This would be the gospel. Let the message concerning Christ, the gospel, dwell, feel at home in you richly. And while that message is, as it were, percolating in you, be teaching. Be admonishing, which means to warn, uh, instruct one another in all wisdom. And while that message is feeling at home in you, express it by singing psalms, which was usually the 150 psalms. Uh, hymns were songs that were directed to God the Father. And spiritual songs were like choruses that we sing. Uh, I'm trusting you, Lord, or uh, little songs give some expression of truth. And while you're doing that, do it with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I believe some translation, gratitude, this same idea. Look at this. Let me ask you this. Have you lost your song? I, I find it's very common. People who have lost their joy and lost a thankful spirit oftentimes quit singing. And I've, I've heard people describe, I went many a day without a song. And what they're trying to say, my heart was not overflowing with gratitude or joy. I had nothing to sing about because we think of singing is in that uh, exalting in God. And, but he said, singing, making melody with your hearts to God. And whatever you do, that's rather inclusive, isn't it? Whatever you do in speech or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, 
giving thanks to God the Father through him. So no matter what you're engaged in, I want you to be giving thanks, but the controlling, the controlling thought is when the gospel is filling my heart, I'm going to bust out singing about it, sharing it, and giving thanks to God. Let me ask you this. Here's the big question. Is our heart, is it full of good news we've got to share, or are we full of woe is me? Are we filled with the message of Christ, the good news? The good news that God loves sinners, that God saves sinners. I'm proof that he does, that God is good, that God is kind. I've got that message working in me all the time. That is the abiding message. It means to settle down at home and be at ease in me. Is the message, the good news of Jesus Christ, the permeating message that I have on my heart that I must get out? When that message fills the heart, singing will fill the mouth, gratitude will fill the heart, and there will be a lifting up that God has come among men to save sinners of whom I am chief. Gratitude. Look at Ephesians. Similar to this, but instead of saying the gospel message, he goes to the Spirit of God. Ephesians 5, he says in verse 18, be, be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on to say, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Interesting here. Here they're singing to one another. Some people say all of our songs have to be to the Father. What does this verse say? Singing to who? One another is at the Trinity. So that's why you sing songs that are admonishing, songs that are exhorting, songs that are encouraging. I don't have to encourage God. I don't have to admonish God but I do need to admonish and sing to one another at times. Song of sell out, walk, I surrender all, or different things like that. So you have music that is both vertical to the Father, how great thou art, and songs that are to one another. It has a message to stimulate us, to encourage us. Then he goes on singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart. And many of us know that's the only place some of you will ever get melody is in your heart. And that, that's good enough to God. It's hard on the saints, but it's good. Giving thanks on a national holiday. Giving thanks even if Trump wins. In a blue state, I can give thanks. I read in the paper today, California's wanting to succeed from the union now. <laughs> Giving thanks always. In the Greek, that means always. Man. Paul didn't know politics. 
for everything. To God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. When is it biblical to not give thanks? Well, let's keep on. This is very convicting. Uh, look in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. Paul may have just slipped over here, and his pen just went off. And, uh, let's see. Verse 16. Rejoice always. And some would say, what for? What's there to rejoice about? Taxes are due. The rent's going up. I haven't heard any good news. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Isn't that amazing? When do you ever stop praying? Never. Give thanks, not for but in all circumstances. What are you in the middle of right now that you wish you weren't in? Are any of you in the middle of anything that you don't like? How could this be God's will? It was not a bonus. It wasn't a promotion. It was a bad doctor's report. It's a child in need. It's all the... It is scary to be alive. What can happen in one day? I mean, we're all getting ready for a great Thanksgiving dinner, and one of my granddaughters breaks her leg. You don't break your leg on Thanksgiving. That means we've got to give more attention to you than the turkey. I mean, you don't plan that stuff. You don't plan this. You don't plan that. And what attitude will you take if it happens? Sometimes as a pastor, I hear people like this. I cannot serve a God who let that happen to me. It's like I'm serving notice on God. I'm out of here. You let that happen, forget you. And yet I hear another man say, the Lord has given and he has taken. Blessed be his name. And in all this, Job did not sin, but worshiped God. And he just buried 10 children in one day. And he had no Bible. He had no church. He had no one that ever taught him the word of God. He had none of that, none of that. He's the first believer in all the Bible. He's before Abraham. We believe he was an Arab. Job, all the way back, who taught him? to respond to trouble this way. He said, God is worthy no matter if he strips me, leaves me in boils, and leaves me with a wife that curses me and tells me to curse God and die. I don't care what he's left me with. He's still worthy of my praise. It's overwhelming. I seldom read that book without saying, Oh, me, how far advanced he is. In everything, 
give thanks. For this is the will of God. So, three things I know if you want a grateful attitude. Be filled with the gospel. We've got good news to share, right? And an unthankful spirit, you won't have that good news to share. You'll lose your message. We have the spirit that when he fills up the deficiencies of our human makeup, when he's filling and controlling me, gratitude will pour out of my heart. Walking in the spirit is interesting. I, I was replacing a bunch of batteries yesterday, you know, on the Christmas things and put this out. And during the season, the batteries all ran down. And I was just thinking about Ephesians. God did not say that when he saved you, he'd put a battery in you. The power source for Christians is a contact sport. You got to stay plugged in. Walking in the spirit is... I'm abiding close enough to the power source that I never cut off the power. i got to stay plugged in. And when I stay in contact with the power source, I have an ability to respond to situations that are superhuman. They're supernatural. Because I'm drawing on a supernatural source, like Brother Brown. He, he was drawing on a different source. And then finally, let's look at just Hebrews, Hebrews 13. Have you ever asked yourself, I wish I could offer God something that's worthy of him? The Old Testament, if you ever read Leviticus 7, it says when they wanted to thank God for something, they'd bring a bullock, they'd bring a grain offering, and, and they would go, and it was called a thank you offering, a thank you sacrifice. And they would bring that to God and offer it up. But listen to what Hebrews 13, verse 15 says. It says, through him, that is Christ, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. What do you mean? That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Are you aware that you could turn your lips now, just think of what your mouth used to say. Did anybody, don't, don't answer this, this is rhetorical, but don't answer. Did anybody ever have a bad mouth before they knew Christ? I did. I couldn't say God dog because my dad had beat the fire out of me. Couldn't take his name in vain. But I had a bad mouth because I grew up in bad neighborhoods. Cussing was just a way of life. I never could say, God damn you, because my Christian upbringing, my folks, my dad, do not take God's name in vain. So even though I was lost, I leave God's name out of it. But think how many times a day men say, God damn you. How many times a day does a man cuss another man and throw disparaging remarks about his origins, his mother, the most hideous things. And here when God saves us and washes us and cleanses us, he said, I've got a different use for your lips than cursing. I want your lips now to be dedicated to me. And when you say thank you, 
Thank you is for a benefit received. Praise is you're praising the giver of it. You're praising the Father. I'm praising such a benevolent God. I'm thanking you for the benefit. And he said, turn these lips into we no longer curse. James says, how is it that your mouth curses on one side and blesses on the other? My brethren, it ought not to be. Can bitter and sweet water come from the same fountain? No. Choose your vocabulary. Choose your message. Choose your power source. Are you going to talk in the spirit? Are you going to be full of the gospel? Are we going to be full of woe is unto me? Christmas is rolling around. And uh, uh, I think of the, the beauty of having children is you can relive Christmas. You know, as you get older, Christmas just means how much can we afford this year? No child goes through that. And I think of the little guys and the gifts you buy children. There really is more joy and seeing their eyes light up and uh, be overwhelmed, that is what makes it, not what you paid for, not this, it's the response that is created in that little child's heart. Oh, I got what I wanted. I got the baby girl that I wanted. Raising girls, it, was all, it wasn't guns and knives. It was baby dolls. Cotton pads. This one. I thought, man, what are all, what is that? Man. Oh, oh, oh cabbage patch, you know. <laughs> I thought it was cotton patch. You know, I'm, I'm not up to date. I'm not up to date. I just know what it costs. It's outrageous. <laughs> cabbage patch. I knew it was close to the farm. <laughs> but, but the payoff is what it does for them. But what, what, what about this? Eh. Eh. No, you would be disappointed if they're disappointed. Now, ask me about my gifts. You come to my house sometime, I'll take you into the grandchildren's room. In the middle of the night, I got up because I heard all this noise. I go in my folks' bedroom living in the projects in Richmond, and there's all my brothers and sisters, my mom and dad. They just bought me an American Flyer train set. They were all so tickled with it. They were watching it go, and I was supposed to be asleep. I got it in my grandchildren's room right up here. I don't let one of those darlings touch it. <laughs> that, that is from second or third grade. I've got a pigskin football that I got when I lived on 49th and Cutting, going to Steege Elementary School. I've got that pigskin up there. All of it's wore off, but that I remember when I was a star. <laughs> I've got my house shoes from when I was 16. We got so, and I, this, I went through this kind of Christmas. I'm the youngest, so when grandchildren started coming, my mother would only put the grandchildren's gifts under and hide mine. And I'd, every day I'd go into that tree. I'm looking for, I said, hey, who's this Jeff? 
That was the first grandson. Hey, I'm the baby of this family. Jeff's got to go. <laughs> These grandchildren ain't taking over. And then Kim and my mother would say, well, we had to cut back this year, and we could only buy for the grandchildren. Oh, I'd go into hives. I'd break out. I said, no, no, those kids are not welcome here. This is, I finally got rid of the older kids. Make it double. Make it double. But man, the joy of getting a guitar, getting this, getting that. And you know what? All your parents wanted was to hear you say thank you. They knew you couldn't pay them back. They knew you couldn't earn it. And did you know what the Father says? I blessed you with all these wonderful things. It was me. I'm the real Santa. And I don't live in the North Pole. I'm the real giver. I really am a giver. And I've given good gifts. I gave you your wife. I gave you your husband. I just read the story of a man visiting an insane asylum. And one of the inmates there asked the, it was a preacher. And as he's going through, he said, do you ever wake up in the morning and thank God that you're in your right mind? Did anybody do that this morning? That the first thing you thought of, I thank God I've got a sound mind. Oh, you know most of you didn't. You just assumed it's going to be there. Just assume. Well, you, everybody works up for the sound. Nobody goes to mental institutions. Are you kidding? Nobody has dementia. Nobody's in a home with Alzheimer's whose body is strong, but they've lost it between the years. I woke up this morning with a sound mind and the ability to come here on my own strength. Let me close with this. John Henry Jowett wrote it. Gratitude is a vaccine, an antitoxin, an antiseptic. This is a most searching and true diagnosis. Gratitude can be a vaccine that can prevent the invasion of a disgruntled attitude as antitoxins prevent the disastrous effects of certain poisons and diseases. Thanksgiving destroys the poison of fault-finding and grumbling. When trouble has smitten us, a spirit of thanksgiving is a soothing antiseptic. In all things, give thanks. For all things, give thanks. For this is acceptable to the God and this greatest gift of all is he's offered you Christ. But remember, he has kept you alive long enough even to hear the offer. Had he not kept you alive? Oh, I think of the teenage years, the days and nights I could have been killed, just riding in the car with crazies, playing chicken, and doing stupid teenage things. But God saw to it I wasn't killed because he was going to save me. It's God that's kept you alive. Oh, 
offering thanks, nothing would thrill his heart more than to hear you sincerely say, thank you, Lord. It's you. It's not been my own hands. It's been you. Nebuchadnezzar, I exalted you. Don't you take the credit. I'm the God of the heavens, and I rule. Our Father, please, if there's a grumbling heart, a heart of complaint or resentment or bitterness in any of us today, please let us surrender it and replace it with the wonderful news of Jesus. Replace it with the Spirit's influence. Replace it with a heart of obedience. We choose gratitude over bitterness, over resentment, over murmuring, over complaining, over anything that would displease you, our magnificent, benevolent benefactor. Blessed be the name of the Lord who hath given us all things to richly enjoy. We bless your name. Amen. The Lord bless you.